Welcome back to another episode of Tales from Corporate, hosted by Maria and Elise. Each week, we bring you our tales and perspectives on trending topics around work in corporate America, because life can often truly be stranger than fiction. Be sure to share Tales from Corporate. Listen, download, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This week's tale is about concurrent mutinies. So just about two days ago, I, myself, Felice, and Maria, both traveling back from two different East Coast cities, landed at LAX approximately an hour, hour and a half apart from one another. And there were a lack of, and I'm being very nice with it, a lack of drivers available for either Uber or Lyft to the point that when you either scheduled a ride, the app was canceling your scheduled ride once you to go with the uh, surge or the current pricing that was available, even trying to upsell you to the next level of service, but still had no driver availability at LAX, which is our main airport here in Los Angeles. And I actually, for the first time, had to watch a driver come from WeHo, which is West Hollywood, all the way down to the airport. I had to watch it on the map. It told me I was going to have to wait 22 minutes, and I actually timed it. It was exact. Had to watch the driver make a drop, drop off the passengers, and then come over to the Laxit lot to pick me up. And even that ride was about $75, where normally it would be about uh, $45 to $55. And that's after the increase that we had about three months ago. So what I've been observing is talking to the drivers and just realizing that no one was out there to pick us up. That was a reckoning. And when I talked to the driver, my driver that night, he basically was like, we're out here working for 25 to 30% of the full charge for the ride. It's greed. So if I'm paying $75, $80, For my ride, the driver's spending $5 a gallon for gas in California. That's $87 unleaded. That's not the the premium or super. And it takes them approximately an hour to drop me off a a full trip, possibly spending um, at least a gallon or two to actually complete the trip. Does it make money math for him when most of his money earned is going to fuel charges? And the company, even after raising the fares, the prices on the customers, they're not passing it along to the drivers. So what I think we witnessed was a protest of drivers not getting on the app and not wanting to make money by picking up fares at the airport. And I'm seeing it everywhere. We've been lucky enough to travel. I'm seeing it at the hotels. No breakfast, even though breakfast is included, (laughs) it's on the website. And then after you book it and you pay for it, they tell you, oh, we've had some modified service changes. There's no more breakfast and you have to ask for housekeeping. I personally say I don't want it because I'm always disinfecting my room and I don't want someone coming in. But this is where we are now. It's like they're going to a la carte us to death if you want things now, these new models that they're coming up with. But all in all. There's no staff. People do, I believe, 
in America, they do want to work, but they want to be valued for the work that they do. And I think with the pandemic, is it worth coming out of my home, leaving family that may need me to care for them, to come out and do work that is undervalued and underappreciated? What do you think, Maria? I, I couldn't agree more. I know there are certain factions that believe, well, people don't want to work. They're getting comfortable. They're lazy. They're, you know, still somehow in some magical universe, still living off of their stimulus money. By the way, anybody who sees the price of gas, like around $5 a gallon out here in Los Angeles. Yes, you heard me. This is for regular gas, by the way. You're out of your mind if you think people feel rich. They might have a little bit more savings, a little bit more cash, but there's inflation combined with, and you call this almost almost a year ago, I think it was early this year, you, you and I were looking at maritime charts of the cargo ships coming from Asia to the U.S. And we saw that there was a glut of empty ships leaving the U.S. And it's... This confluence of, which is why this is concurrent mutinies factors that are just coming to a head. People want to work. People are not refraining from driving and from working at restaurants and engaging in the big quit and all of that. They're not doing that because they don't want to work. They're doing that for a variety of reasons that we're still unpacking, to be quite honest. But some of those reasons include not going to take it anymore. Greed has been our thing in the U.S. for a really long time. That's cool and all. But Rome also felt like there's no kingdom that has lasted forever. That's just not human history. But lately, in the last couple of decades, we've been insistent on squeeze the most that we can out of employees. That human factor that oftentimes managers, companies, institutions don't really value, that chicken might have come to roost. Like that day of reckoning might be coming. Don't have to take our words for it. <laughs> Try traveling. You'll begin to see, we talked not that long ago about the big quit. This will start to impact us in more ways than we are imagining right now. As many of us return to the office, we're beginning to realize that a whole bunch of those lunch options and those coffee shops that we came to rely on at various points in our workday, they gone. They were impacted by the pandemic. And the ones that remain, they're struggling to find workers. They're struggling to keep their workers. What happened in the pandemic? Why did so many of us say enough is enough? Well, I would theorize and put forth a couple of things happened. One, um, many of us got burnt out. I myself included at one point. Enough was enough. We had just gotten into this rat race, this hamster wheel, if you will, day in, day out, plugging in, taking crap, from either our bosses, our clients, our colleagues, and thinking, well, this is just the way it is. This is just the nature of work. 
On top of that, we battled with a commute. We spent a bunch of money for childcare to oftentimes people who we don't know that well, taking care of our, our babies, right? For what? When all of that was ripped from us unceremoniously, and whether we liked it or not, the economy slowed down to a halt for many, many weeks. We were forced to live with our choices and who we chose to be, who we chose to work for, and what we did for a living. And some of us, because we weren't commuting and things like that, we had time to consider other businesses that we wanted to establish. Maybe the thing that we always wanted to do. Others of us, I did this as well. We started to skill up all those training classes, all those degrees that you meant to do and to take and to get, started to do that. These are good things, right? But also, we looked at, wait a minute, how were we treated during a global pandemic? Were our lives put in danger because our place of employment insisted that we continue to report? to work and be around one another and be exposed to one another. That's going to unfold in some interesting ways in terms of lawsuits. Just keep in mind, and I'm not going to sit here and lecture you one way or another about vaccinations, but that was also a factor that came into play. People didn't want to be forced into one situation or another. So there's protests and there's people walking off the job and saying, you literally can't pay me to be vaccinated. And by the way, don't pay people to be vaccinated. It's it's not a really well thought out incentive. It oftentimes makes people even more suspicious of the very vaccination you're trying to pay them to take. But Elise, what say you? Well, I will say, Marie, that speaking of the mandates, the vaccine mandates, they do factor in here. When it comes to the Port of Los Angeles, Long Beach, where those two ports alone, Long Beach and uh, San Pedro, I believe are the number one ports for international shipping for the United States. And I wanted to move down that way. (laughs) I've been stalking that area for about the last three years. But the harbor camera is something that as a nerd, I pride myself in. I'll watch it on YouTube. It's very pretty at night. You watch the ships come in, and I had noticed months ago the backup of ships. I noticed that per the union stats that they publicized, a lot of the dock workers were uh, sick with COVID and hadn't returned back to work. I could see that was going to be a huge pileup. And there's a cost for that, right? There's a cost. We had ships docking way out into the bay, looking like a bunch of little rubber duckies all next to each other, except this is real life. And one of the anchors broke an oil pipeline. And we had an oil spill right over here in Huntington Beach, fouling up the water and the environment for all of the biology and life that lives there. There's a cost for that. You think about it, and now I believe the federal government is stepping in and is going to fine or penalize different maritime companies for being docked too long as an incentive, I guess, to unload these ships and get the freight back out. But they could staff up. If those jobs pay well, people would love to have those jobs. But then, once again, it's Los Angeles and Long Beach. Where are those 
employees, even if they were temporary, where are they going to be housed? Housing is expensive here. So can't just say, let's just get a bunch of people come in and, and do this work, even if it does pay well, because where are they going to live? It's always that catch-22 here about the average person and what they're entitled to and what's valued. During this pandemic, we saw educators, teachers, look at the work that they do. I know that they're extremely essential. And parents realized how much they rely on the public and private education systems of this country as a pillar within their own families. And the average teacher doesn't get paid well. What does that say about how we value their work? It's essential, but are they being compensated properly? Many different educators, their pension funds are always in danger, depending on the state that they work in. And now we have this pivot, right? As the packed mutual building downtown, getting a, a Starbucks. Now, normally, I'm not really a Starbucks kind of gal, being from the East Coast. I'm a Dunkin' gal. <laughs> but Starbucks, the employees there were so nice. They did something that I don't ever recall any Starbucks ever doing, which was they actually put the cream and sugar in my Pike Place roast. Now, normally, you have to stand over to the side and do that. And I said to myself, is that because of the pandemic that... They just want to keep things clean and sanitary? Or is it also due to the supply chain shortage of supplies that they have that they can no longer put out because they don't know what's coming next? It hit me. Their service was excellent at the Pack Mutual building. But I just thought to myself, everyone's having to pivot. Restaurants that may have shut down, they pivoted to ghost kitchens and allowing people to come in and cook. They're closed to the public, but now they're online on the different food delivery apps and selling food on their websites. People are going back to the food trucks that they may have grown out of three, four, five years ago. People are starting to pivot. And also look at something like LinkedIn. LinkedIn for employees and for um, companies, they're having to pivot and update their algorithm of how they sort and filter resumes and profiles because now they're flooded with a volume of users they've never had before. So many people are just switching. The power has shifted. I don't know if the C-suite has really recognized that some of their power within the org is a little gone here. It's not gone forever, but it's changed. It's changed. People are offering a little bit more in compensation, depending on what industry you work in. You can say, I only want a hybrid. I'm not interested in going back full-time. You may have that flexibility. People are just not willing to tolerate what they once did before. And it almost goes to, to that whole theory of Pandora's box, the story of Pandora's box. Once you come into knowing, you can't unknow. So the American ethos of working yourself to death because that's the way to work your way up the ladder. Has that changed for us? Going back to the Industrial Revolution, when we worked seven days a week, then we had the rise of unions. And of course, also what happened? The demise of many children and women employees dying in fires like the shirtwaist fires that happened in Greenwich Village in New York City. 
people losing their lives because they were worked to death and there was no fire safety or just general safety for employees. Then came the push for a five-day work week. So are we at this point now where we're going to go to four days a week of working and that's the new norm? We're definitely at a, a moment now, but I think that the tide is definitely turning now. Before, when we last talked about this, wasn't too sure about what would tip it over. But if people are pulling out, meaning the masses, if employees are just not there, I think that's the tipping point. What do you think, Maria? I'd have to agree with you. Following massive events globally, there's massive change, right? So like after World War II, there were large efforts and even our very dear high school was established coming out of how we can generate work for the men returning from the field and how we can restart the economy and how we can skill up and things of that nature. So now we're coming out of a global pandemic. And I know, especially when I talk to kids, like my nieces and nephews, and they seem so heavy, a lot of them, because they didn't get the completeness of childhood and interaction with, you know, their peers and in person and things of that nature. But at the same time, of as the kids going through it, I think workers went through it. But a lot of us just completely lost motivation to the work, not because we don't have extreme pride in our work and the value that we deliver, but because we just were burnt out. We'd hit the wall. Many of us been trying the same thing or trying different things or trying all the things and then coming up with results that we didn't like. So we either mentally checked out and sort of like just went through the motions of work or we checked out literally and found another job. LinkedIn, I, I heard this morning, has said that since the beginning of their business, they have never ever seen anywhere close to this volume of activity in terms of job change and recruiter activity. So more than ever, if you have a skill or three, more likely than not, somebody is reaching out to you with interest. The other point that you mentioned is the C-suite is connecting and um, being responsive to some of these concurrent mutinies that are happening. I don't know either, but what I do know is if we don't evolve and change, then uh, change happens to us. And that includes even the folks of power and influence. You touched on it. What people are requiring in their new job is different than before. Like there's a lot more interest in remote. I read something recently, and I can't remember where I saw this, but they call Generation Z, Generation Zero Office, Z for Zero Office. While some of them, you know, want to engage in person and they want to get a sense for corporate culture and things of that nature, there's many of them that are like, well, I have to take classes remote and over Zoom and all the rest of it. So uh, let's keep this going and continue it into the working world. And while there's so much pain and angst and literally loss in a variety of ways from coming out of the pandemic. And I said this last year, there's also going to be innovation and change and disruption. And disruption is often uncomfortable for 
whoever's holding on to the status quo, the old guard. But disruption also brings necessary change that makes our lives better and more enhanced. One small thing with the restaurants, if you're going out to eat, you'll notice going from physical menus to QR codes. And I, I asked one or two uh, of the wait staff at different places, how do you feel about that? And they said to me, oh, it's great because we don't have to sit there and clean the plastic off of menu after menu anymore and stack them up and hand them and hand them back. Now, yes, there's a number of places that still do that, but it, that's just one way. There are more ways in which the pandemic pushed us to embrace the future and get with things that made sense all along. Not to mention, I don't know if you notice a, a change in my voice, but I've been suffering from a really horrible cold. I tested negative for the flu, negative for the Rona, and negative for a couple of other things, but it's just apparently a good old-fashioned enhanced cold. Well, I haven't had one in two years for a variety of reasons. We've socially distanced, we've quarantined and all the rest of it. But I've also traveled quite a bit. And when I traveled before, I would constantly get sick. The way we clean our facilities, our planes, our hotel rooms, we've up-leveled it to the place that it always should have been. Now it's really uncomfortable for me to think about what we were doing before. So all this to say, don't want to be adding on and piling on to all the negativity of what is a global pandemic. It speaks for itself in terms of negativity. But I did want to take a couple of beats to say there's lots of change. There's lots of people making decisions. I think as employers and as businesses, that will push us to be our better selves and to be our, our, our better iterations of business. As we head into the holidays in America, I think we're coming to, it may be nothing or it may be something big. I see the scheduling ahead of us here with Turkey Day fast approaching. We have some vaccine mandate deadlines there wasn't any confluence on scheduling of this, and it doesn't look good for all involved <laughs> for the holidays. Factoring in about two, three weeks ago with Southwest Airlines canceling a thousand plus flights, way bigger than poor Spirit in our prior tale about Spiritless Air, way bigger than what happened with Spirit, Southwest inconvenience many more people. And it's funny because I always think of Spirit as the newer version of the old Southwest. Some people allege that was employee vaccine mandate protest by not showing up to work. Or was it just them being burnt out, being upset? Was it a sick out? We still don't know. I may never know the real cause behind the thousand plus flight cancellations. But what I am getting at here is you have the fact that we've had two airlines that have had these major sick out or outages, work stoppages, and passengers inconvenienced with not much recourse, one. Two, uh, U.S. American U.S. government TSA, Transportation Security Administration, uh, at the airports, they have... I believe it's 60% 
at last refresh, vaccine rates of their employees, 60% uh, employee vaccination rate. So they have a deadline that is the Monday of Turkey Day week. And then American Airlines also has a vaccine, employee vaccine mandate that is a Wednesday before Turkey Day that's on Thursday. So that week of travel, it may be great for the media <laughs> covering it and all the people stranded. I mean, it's great for television, but not so great for actual passengers and people who want to get to their families and spend time with them for the holidays. And then we also know traveling and going to see family and friends, we usually kick up a little bit of a dust and we might have another COVID surge. So we're kind of seeing the cycles and the trends here. But what I think is refreshing, if just a glimmer of hope, a flicker of hope, is I'm starting to see the word endemic. Endemic when I'm reading about what we've been living through, meaning that we may be coming towards the end of this, past the halfway mark and closer to the three-quarter mark of being done with this. Maybe after all of this, the dust settles, we have better workers' rights. We appreciate each other more and we get back to some sort of civility that we used to have. Or maybe it's enhanced and we treat others the way we want to be treated. Remember to always advocate for yourself because if you don't, no one else will. And to the listeners that have been overlooked, have overstayed, are complacent, or just plain unhappy, free yourself. Good luck and Godspeed till the next episode. Remember to download, follow, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And please feel free to leave us a review.